Mr. McMahon's hatred for Stone Cold as WWF champion fueled the CEO to increase the stakes of tonight's first blood battle. If The Undertaker wins the first blood match, you will never again ever even attempt to become the WWF champion again. However, if Stone Cold wins the match, you will never ever see Vince McMahon again. It will be the end of an era. And I want it in writing. Got to redefine Vince. And welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host for the night, Aloy Aaron Lloyd, and I am joined by Aloy Aaron Lloyd. <laughs> Another one man band tonight, guys. So, if this show episode is all about Full Lord 1999. As always, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, etc., or whatever podcast platform you use. And make sure to leave us a five star review. And please, Leave something in the review box for you one stars. Please, I'm dying to know what you have to say. I I would love a a reasoning. That's all I'm asking for, just a reason. So, before we get into the advertised content, uh, there's been a lot going on, a little bit of news going on in the world of wrestling. And we've had the last two weeks, AEW's Fighter Fest two-week event and NXT's Great American Bash two-week event. And I just want to send a congrats out to Keith Lee. The first ever double champion in NXT history, and I believe the first ever African American NXT champion. Salute to him. He's doing really big things. It's been a real fun to see his ride continue from last November from the Raw and SmackDown versus NXT at the Survivor Series, and 
he was the male breakout star from that program, and he rode the momentum ever since. Like, who would ever thought it would have been Keith Lee and Roman Reigns left as the final two at Survivor Series? And Keith Lee's been shining ever since. He defeated Roddy Strong to become the North American champion shortly after that, and he's had excellent matches with Dominic Djokovic and Johnny Gargano in the, in the last few months of this year. And I think he's been fantastic. I think it's well-deserved. And believe me, if there's any hate for Keith Lee being the champion, you can turn this off and get the fuck in the tub because he's, he's on every – Thing that he's been given, that man's a star. He's put, he, and especially he put on a show with Adam Cole last night. And both men, in my opinion, are superstar of the year candidates. I think <clears throat> Keith Lee has been outstanding, and we all have to give Adam Cole his props. Adam Cole, a little over years as AC champion, was excellent, and. A lot of, and I think after NXT, you saw a lot of people say Adam Cole was the definition of NXT, and it's kind of hard to argue that at this point. You could definitely make an argument for him. And I already know you little diehards are going to go like, "What about Johnny Gargano? What about Ciampa?" It, it's like Adam Cole's definitely in that conversation, especially for the past year run that he's actually had. So going into Great American Bash and Fighter Fest, and I haven't seen both weeks in their entirety, but there's a couple of things that I want to talk about from the show uh once again as i always say this show has basically become a shrine to sasha banks at this point <laughs> but i thought her and io shirai put on a hell of a show 10 night one i thought the match was excellent i thought they have amazing chemistry except there was one spot where sasha almost died once again which is which is not new but i thought they had amazing chemistry between the two and i told about the sasha and bailey for the last few weeks i think their dynamic's been excellent and it seems like the plans for their feud may be on hold because charlotte's out for a while but i'm okay with it because i think these two have been incredible as a team and individually uh also shout out to kudos for bailey and oscar put on a hell of a performance monday night on raw and for aw's fighter fest i heard that the eight-man tag was was really good but i haven't i've yet to see it chris jericho and orange cassie i've heard was really good that's a match i'm looking forward to watching in the next few days when i have some time but i want to talk about cody versus jake hager for the tnt title i thought that was a very good match as well AEW's done one hell of a job of making hager look like a threat i said after the first episode of dynamite that hager's already a bigger star and feels more important than he ever did in his seven years in WWE, and he continues to show. And I love that the finish with the involvement of Dustin. He kicks out and still looks strong with locking in submission while Cody gets the pin, even thinking he's winning. And do we see that finish a lot? Absolutely. But what separates the finish from the rest is what else happened throughout the rest of the match. And I thought that actually fit because Hager had Cody on the ropes the entire time. So I think it was only fitting for that finish to go down the way it did. Also, we had the debut of the brand new United States Championship. So after 17 years, we have a new U.S. title finally revealed. It's been an rumored for years and we finally get it so i personally like the title if i had one tiny nitpick and i've actually looked at more pictures since i took i've taken my notes and i personally think that i i thought initially that i like the belt i think it's the best belt we had i'll get to that in a second but i wish i kind of wish the flag was solid behind the eagle but i did note finally i did notice that the stars at the top of the belt, so I did appreciate that. So that kind of knocks down my my uh, nitpick about the flag not being solid. But I do think it's the best belt that WWE even has today. I really do because before, before 
as we get into Florida in 1999, think about the championship belts that were around that time. So much detail from the IC, the European, the Big Eagle, the tags. When you look at the belts now in WWE specifically, there's no detail. Like where where is the detail? They're basically generic. They have two different shows, so the belts are uniform. But my personal favorite title is the European title. And when you look at the European title, you see the flags of the different the different countries. You see the ribbon. You see the globe. You see the the wrestlers on the. You see people uh, wrestlers on the belt. You don't see that stuff nowadays. And. These belts in WWE are basically generic because of it. You know, people will buy them. Of course, will people always pop pop the t- titles? But at this point, they just look basically pretty much generic to me. And when you look when you want when you, if you watch this show back after you listen, you'll you'll notice it. And but I'm glad to see we have a new US title. Definitely needed a facelift. Uh, Apollo is going to face MVP for the new US title. At the horror show at Extreme Rules, which is first of all, the WWE, um, the horror show at Extreme Rules. When Dolph Ziggler first said that to open Raw, I thought he made a mistake, but that's actually the new title of Extreme Rules. So we have an eye for an eye match between Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio at the horror show Extreme Rules, and now. If this is pre-recorded, this has to be pre-recorded. You you, you can't you, you can't just have a wrestling match. Like this has to be like a pre-recorded thing. And I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. They've been doing a lot of these pre-recorded matches that they've done maybe three or four since the pandemic and the shutdown. So if they don't do this anytime, they can get away with this now. Because you have the whole Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman thing, that's probably on location spot. So, so I believe this will have to be shot theatrically as well. And I'll give them benefit of the doubt that it will be. But the horror show at Extreme Rules, I wonder where the concept of the show even being called the horror show came from. I would love to know love I would love to know that. But I'm looking forward to the show because the title actually intrigues me. The horror show at Extreme Rules. You got this eye this eye for an eye match. You got Drew McIntyre facing Dolph Ziggler in a match that Dolph's not even going to say what the match is yet and that's going to be intriguing as well and of course you got Sasha Banks and Asuka who have very have had very limited matches and as you, the big a huge Sasha Banks fan I want to see her win even though I'm always disappointed in the, in the long run but I'm actually intrigued about the horror show at Extreme Rules so now if you want now we'll get to our advertised content of Fully Lord 1999 if you haven't been with us before we'll play for you our rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slumber knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings, it will get a showstopper. Alright, thank you, Howard. So, full 1999. Now, I'll give this show a high slob knocker. I thought this show had a lot of filler. And there's not a lot of match. I don't think there's a match that really stands out for the most part of like me recommending to watch. But 
the most important thing of the show was a story being told throughout the night. And they would never, they, they would never do this today. And I would never understand why. Because this is how you tell a story. Now, the tagline is end of an era between The Undertaker, Vince, and Austin for the world title. And this was basically really end of an era. Whether WWE kind of fell into it or not, this really was the end of an era. So Vince is going for TV after this until September when he would beat Triple H for the title. Then Austin reinstates McMahon if Vince grants him a title match with Triple H, which he does. And in November, Austin's gone until next September. He would appear at Backlash to be at the Rock's Corner late, later, late, late in that night. But other than that, you don't see Austin again until Unforgiven. In, in September, and then Austin and McMahon, they have they don't have that much interaction between Unforgiven and WrestleMania, where they join forces. So this kind of is the oh, also for the Undertaker, the Undertaker, he, the corporate ministry is over after this night, and Taker's gone in September, wouldn't return until May at Judgment Day. So the legendary rivalry of Austin and McMahon kind of really is over at this point. So. Whether they, like I said, whether they fell into it or not, the tie, the tagline of end of an era actually fit for this match and this show. And I thought the stage of having all three faces on it was 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 actually really smart. And in the before the main event starts, you'll see Vince kind of looking at his picture, which I thought was really funny with the blood all over his face. But I thought this show was good from a standpoint of storytelling. Now the matches, like I said, a, lot, a little left to be desired, but I thought that the stories in these matches, especially with the story they told throughout the night with Austin Huntaker, is what really makes this show. And I'm gonna start. We're gonna talk about the story by the way the show starts. So the show starts off with the EMTs checking on Austin after he was attacked on heat and had an open was busted wide open. We then get a we then get a camera shot to Michael Cole with Vince and Shane. Vince and Shane elated that Austin was attacked, and Vince guarantees Austin will lose the title tonight. And we kick things off with Edge versus Jeff Jarrett. Edge will win the IC title the night prior at a house show when Ken Shamrock had travel issues in in his hometown Toronto and. This match, I thought this match was a good match, but there was not a lot here because of the whole fact that Edge won the night prior. And this act, they actually, what they did was they actually did get some story into this match with the problems between Edge and Gangrel with the Brood. So Gangrel comes, Gang, Gangrel's music hits in the middle of the match, tries to attack Edge. Edge outsmarts Gangrel and. And beats and fights him off, so his initial attack isn't working. So later in the match, in the in the way the match culminates, Gangrel will finally get one up on Edge and cause him the Intercontinental Title. So Jared regains the IC title here. And post match, talk about another talk about the story with Austin throughout the night. So Austin comes out, stuns Jared, and says he's looking for the Undertaker. And he's gonna continue to find him all night. And that will be the theme throughout the rest of the night as well. So after Austin heads backstage, we get the Hardy Boys and Michael Hayes against the Acolytes. The Hardys are the tag team champions, and this is for the tag team championship. The, Ac- the Acolytes are with the corporate ministry at this time, not the APA. And I thought the inclusion of Hayes actually worked here. I love the story on commentary and what Hayes said talked about before the match. Hayes talked about the fact that he took the Hardys from current jerkers to the tag team titles. And... 
JR even said that on commentary. He thought that it would be it would be, it's a little too it was a, it would it would have been a little too soon for the Hardys to be the tag team champions. And Pash talks about this all the time about how everyone can't be Sami Zayn because if everybody was, nothing would be as important. And at this time. And when you watch this match, you'll see that the Hardys are the only ones doing this high-flying stuff, so it makes the Hardys feel special. There's certain spots in this match where you see the Hardys doing a high-flying maneuver, and it actually gets a pop out the crowd. And when you look at tag team wrestling at this time, there are there's no one else doing these things. And this is before the crowd really took to the Hardys and before that classic ladder match at No Mercy a few months later with Edge and Christian. So the Hardys are actually at this point starting to get over here. They're starting to get over here and then you get the APA, well the Acolytes at this time as I just said. You get the Acolytes hitting a double powerbomb on Michael Hayes and you get my, and you get the Acolytes as your new tag team champions. The Hardys not even pinned in the decision. And Pat, me and Pat talked about this last week about giving people their flowers. And we need to give Matt Hardy his flowers right now because the constant evolution of Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy is arguably better than ever right now in AEW with all his personas. Uh, and I wonder what Matt Hardy wanted to do in WWE before he left. I wonder what he was pitching because you would see Matt Hardy on WWE before he actually left. You would see him in like his brood t-shirt gear. You would see him from gear from 2001. You would see him in his uh, Matt Hardy version one shirts occasionally. You know, I, I'm really curious to see if this is what Matt Hardy kind of wanted to do in WWE because I think he's been excellent in AEW with all, his, all, all the personas. You can actually pick who you kind of want to face sometimes. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. And I really think that you need to, we need to give Matt Hardy his flowers. A lot of people... Woke up to Matt Hardy, no pun intended, with the broken Matt Hardy gimmick because that basically became the hottest thing in wrestling in 2016. But my personal favorite version of Matt Hardy is Matt Hardy version one because I thought that was a little bit ahead of his time because Matt was always the first one kind of hip to the internet. But I really did enjoy Matt Hardy version one. That's my favorite rendition of Matt Hardy. But you see Matt Hardy and AEW right now teaming up a private party and being their mentor, basically being their Michael Hayes. And Matt recently had a side-by-side last week on Instagram with both pictures of him with Hayes and him with Private Party. And Matt Hardy, he definitely has a lot left to offer in the world of wrestling, whether it's from an in-ring perspective or as a wrestling mind. And last week, I had a comment from Donovan, and Donovan even brought that up. He said, Matt Hardy is definitely one of the top wrestling minds. He might be... As good of a WrestleMania as Chris Jericho, and I can't debate that because Matt Hardy is like the constant evolution of Matt Hardy has basically become underrated at this point. If you watch <clears throat> anything Matt Hardy's done throughout his career and watch the constant evolution, it's hard to argue it. And Matt Hardy is definitely a gem, and we need to give Matt Hardy his flowers. We really do. And as I say, the Acolytes win, and the Hardys will soon ditch Michael Hayes, and they would join Gangrel to become the new brood. Next up was for the, the European title, D'Lo Brown versus Midian. Be on, get Midian the fucking tub. Get him the fuck out of here. D'Lo Brown's your new European champion. After the title was inactive for a few months, Midian would find the title in Shaman Man's bag. That's how he became champion. And also a few weeks later, D'Lo would defeat Jeff Jarrett to become the first ever Eurocontinental champion. But per Kurt Angle, it doesn't count. <laughs> but 
Dio Brown is the first Eurocontinental champion a few weeks later, and he would defend the title against both titles against Jarrett the next month at SummerSlam. We didn't have a hardcore title match between Al Snow and the big boss man. Boss man wins the title. Title. One thing about these hardcore matches, they were fun, but a complete mess, <laughs> but an enjoyable mess nonetheless. And uh, it wasn't any different. There's a spot backstage where boss man found the football markers with the downs, and he's he says fourth down. He kind of punts Al Snow. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun here. Al Snow, definitely underrated talent. Uh, time constraints. Made him miss the show a couple times, but Al Snow's a def as a as an underrated gem in the world of wrestling. I really feel uh, Big Boss wins outside the arena after he knocks out Al Snow on the fence and with the nightstick. And Al and Big Bossman is your hardcore champion. We then go to Bob Holly being interviewed backstage. He's the referee for the upcoming match, so we got the Big Show and Kane. And how impressive looking was the Big Show at this point? The only note I have about this match from an in-ring perspective is early in the match, Big Show military presses Kane to the outside. And Kane's a big guy <laughs> at this point. And he, he military presses him with ease at, in this match. The only good thing about this match, and it wasn't Bob Holly, because I, I can care less about Bob Holly, but the only thing I thought was good in this match was the two stories that this match provided. First thing was, you saw in the video package of Kane and Undertaker being united for a short period of time, but then you see Undertaker chokeslam X-Pac, and this is where Kane and X-Pac are a tag team, and Kane starting to become, start showing some, start showing a lot of humanity, and, and taking the X-Pac, and Kane doesn't like that he chokeslam, Kane doesn't like the fact that Undertaker chokeslammed X-Pac, so Kane goes out to the Undertaker, and in the video package, you see Taker having this look on his face, staring at Kane at the top of the Titantron. So, Holly calls Kane the match, and X-Pac comes down and attacks Holly, and then you get the Undertaker coming down for the first time in the night. Mind you, Austin's looking for Taker. So, Kane and X-Pac, along with the Big Show, and these four have their own story that's starting to progress because a few weeks later, Kane and X-Pac will win the tag titles from the Acolytes, and Big Show and Taker will become the Unholy Alliance, and these four will have a match for the tag titles at SummerSlam, which we will cover next month. And also, this is the first time we saw Taker. As I said, Austin's been looking for Taker all night. So, Taker coming out the shadows for the first time at night actually costs him because when Taker gets backstage, Austin's waiting for him, and Austin busts Taker wide open, and that co- that cost Taker in the long run at this point. We then have the Iron Circle match between Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock gets the win here. I would never pop. I would never not pop for Steve Blackman. I think he's amazing. Uh, his music is perfect. I love me some Steve Blackman. But uh, a nice content, but there's not a lot here. Ken Shamrock does get the win. They and they also reviewed the pack, reviewed their history in the video package prior to the match. A long lasting feud between these guys. We then go to X Pac and Road Dogg against China and Mr. Ass for the rights to the DX name. Except seen up for you, Triple H turns on X Pac and joins the corporation at WrestleMania. X Pac starts team with Kane. The Outlaws are split. Billy wins the King of the Ring the previous month, and Rodolph and X Pac are really the only ones repping for the DX team at this time. And 
how about China miss their ass matching gear? <laughs> uh, I'm not. I've become a less and less of a Billy Gunn guy in the last month because almost every show we talked about Billy Gunn has been on. I do prefer him in a tag team, but I've I've liked I've, I've disliked Billy Gunn less and less in the last month of episodes because I, I just like uh, I, I, don't, I don't see it and I like the concept of this entire thing because no matter, even though DX is split here DX gear is still booming at this point and it's a big deal financially um, I just wish it was a little bit uh, I don't think the match was that good at all you know I thought they put more emphasis on Billy Gunn's gear and him being called Mr. Ass and anything. This match really wasn't a lot. Uh, X-Pac was selling his attack from a few minutes earlier from The Undertaker. But said not much of this match at all. It's, it's also a filler match. But when I feel it, it shouldn't have been a filler match. I think it should have felt more important. The, the ending I did enjoy in Road Dogg and X-Pac do get the victory in the rights to the DX name. And as we know, DX will reunite in November, but in September, the Outlaws were, would reunite and they would win the tag titles from the Rock and Sock connection. And that leads us to Triple H versus The Rock in a strap match. Triple H does get the win. This is also for the number one contendership for, to the title. Uh, we all know this is the beginning of the game and the rise of Triple H. The episode of Heat earlier from the night is famous for the I Am The Goddamn Game interview with JR. And Triple H would cost The Rock the title the month prior at the King of the Ring against The Undertaker. And an epic rivalry, one of my top rivalries of all time, especially the way these guys grew together. You know, they came in around the same year. They feuded, they feuded over the IC title. They had the feuding groups. And actually, the year prior, fully little in 98, these two fought for the IC title in a time limit draw. And tri- they had that ladder match at SummerSlam the month, the month later in Madison Square Garden, which Triple H would win. And I'm not a big fan of strap matches at all. I just don't think they always fit in the stories. Sometimes they do something they don't, but the story has to be there for me. For example, a recent strap match I did enjoy with Daniel Bryan and The Fiend because The Fiend being one of those um, over-the-top characters who always disappears and appears as he pleases. The fact that he was actually strapped to Daniel Bryan and he couldn't get away was actually intriguing to me, so I did enjoy that match. But uh, before I forget, the moment when The Rock took the fan's camera, the the fan's disposable camera, took a picture of Triple H, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I thought the False Count Anywhere concept really helped the match because actually going outside actually meant more. I thought it actually helped the match and actually standing inside of the ring. So the match could basically end at any moment in time, which I did enjoy. And we did see some interference from China and Mr. Ass, and it pays off for Triple H as Mr. Ass interferes, and Triple H hits the pedigree and becomes the number one contender for the world title at SummerSlam. And my God, we'll get we'll get to the what the number one contendership for the world title was between Helmsley, Mankind, and China the next month, because my God, was that goddamn awful. Uh, some I did pop for some of it, but God, it was a mess. That leads us to the main event, Austin and Undertaker for the world title. Austin wins the, wins the title from the Undertaker the night after King of the Ring on Raw. And Taker busts Austin open at the end of the match and wants his rematch to be a first blood match. And in the package, you also see another part of the story, which in 1998 King of the Ring, the prior year, Taker calls, take, call, Taker calls Austin the title in a first blood match against Kane. So Austin did hit on that, and that story is also there. Now, Taker and Austin, I feel, never really had good matches. I just always felt something was off. And 
I just want to like if, if if you don't feel that way, you don't feel that way. But I I just don't think these two have had good matches together. And the name the name power is there, the star power is there, but I just don't think they performed well together. Vince on commentary, that was a nice touch. And at the top of the show, I said I love the fact that. He look, kind of looked at him, his picture with the blow in his face at the top of the top of the ramp. I thought that was a nice touch. The way the match starts, I think, was perfect because both of these men they have open wounds, they open wounds and stitches from earlier in the night. So a lot of this match is, is focused on brawling to the face, and you have have a point where Taker's picking at Austin's stitches. So it's the right thing to do for this match to be more reflecting an actual wrestling match. And I did appreciate that. The match goes all over the place. And <clears throat> the match begins to end when Taker's next story also progresses. Once again, we see Taker's about to hit Austin with a steel chair. X-Pac interferes, but it kicks the chair back in Austin's face. And Austin takes the camera and knocks Taker in the head with the camera. And take and mind you, Earl Hebner's down. By the way, Earl Hebner, get the fuck out of He is, oh, God, he's terrible. Anyway, um, Austin hits Taker with the camera. Taker's busted open. Earl Hebner's down. Austin and Taker continue to fight until Hebner gets up. Taker has Austin up, getting ready for a tombstone. Turns around. Hebner sees the blood, calls for the bell. Austin retains the title. The match is the, there's, there's fighting still going on in the match. Post match, you see you see Triple H come down. You see The Rock come down. Uh, you saw Shane come down. You see Vince get in the ring. All and you see Austin and Taker brawl to the top of the stage. And then you get a span of Vince McMahon, the last one in the ring, and with his face like, oh, man, I fucked up. I, I got to leave. <laughs> like, 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 like he knew it was over for him, and I did appreciate that. Austin Sun McMahon, to end the show, would have tried to give him a handshake and stun McMahon, and we leave the air with Austin retaining the world title. So a fun show. I highly recommend watching it. Like I said, there's not anything I recommend from an in-ring perspective, but I thought... If you want pure entertainment for a storyline perspective, I do think that you should check this show out. And next week, we have the horror show at Extreme Rules Preview. And then the following week, it'll be the review. And then to end July, we'll hit Canadian Stampede 1997. And also, for your Matt Madness gear, head over to, head over to whatamaneuver.net. And for your figures, head over to ringsidecollectibles.com and use promo code MMADNESS for 10% off your order. All right, everybody. So I guess that's the show for tonight. I'm Aloy Aaron and I will see you guys next week. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. This is Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.